fresh out of the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries, Unforgrettable, covering all the films written by Greta Gerwig. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Wade, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Emma. Thank you for asking. I went to the eye doctor today Uh and got my eyes dilated. It's just starting to wear off, but I must say you're looking better than usual. Ah. I spent the five minutes before we started recording watching every YouTube video about how to pronounce Sersha Ronan's name. And now well, I know. I'm proud how are of, you doing, Emmett? I'm proud of you for doing that. So I'm doing great. Anterior, how are you doing? I am doing swell, guys. I'm doing so good. Fantastic. I'm glad that you both are doing well. I'm glad that you're here with us. And I'm also glad that mm. you're doing well. Because today, we're honored to have a special guest. She's a writer, an actor, and a comedian. But perhaps best known to our audience for her popular series, Riverdale Explained. Please welcome Anterior Leverett. <laughs> you know, those Riverdale kids, I am so behind because the stress Woo! is like up here, like just through the oh, roof. Yeah. I'm tired. This age jump is so much. Oh my God. I hope I didn't spoil that for anybody, but here we are. You spoiled it for me, but I have no clue what the show's about. It doesn't so. matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, it matters not. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't think they know. Yeah, it feels like not. Not the best pandemic viewing. Not the relaxing watch you want no, right now. No, it is now. not. It is every day just like a struggle trying to get through watching season four. And I'm like, I why did I do this to myself? I played myself with these children and their antics. And these aren't children. These are like hot young adults that we're just passing off as teenagers. And I don't get it. Like, Cole Sprouse is, is he's 30. He, he's my age. Like, we're old people. We cannot be playing teenagers. I hate it so much, but here we are. And then Molly Ringwald is someone's mom. So there we go. Yes. What? Molly what? Ringwald is Archie's mom. Well, uh, and I think she only got hired because she has red hair. So Molly Ringwald is a mom. Wow. It's not my favorite thing ever. But, you know, here we are. That doesn't feel good. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. I would say along like at that sliding scale like Uh this movie has a bunch of like 22 year olds Uh playing 17 and 18 year olds and you're like wow they really look like kids (laughs) because that's how how far ahead our scale is damn that's true that's true interior had you that you you were telling us before off podcast that you hadn't seen this movie before, but had you seen any of the not. other Greta Gerwig um, movies before? And I didn't really know who she was before we started this, so now I have an inkling of an idea, uh, and I'm gonna watch Little Women mm-hmm. at some point because she also apparently wrote the story on that. So yeah, no, I was mm-hmm. really excited to watch this. I'd been wanting to watch it for years, but had never had the the chance to. So I'm super excited to see more of her work. Sweet. So today we are talking about the film Lady Bird. This movie, in a three-sentence summary, is about a young woman named Lady Bird growing up in Sacramento. It's her senior year of high school, and it's kind of about her coming-of-age story as she gets into a college on the East Coast and dukes it out with her mom for control of her life, essentially. Uh, Wade, what are the quick stats on this film? (laughs) 
Yeah, as you said, it was written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It was her solo debut for both. She had co-written and co-directed movies before, but the first time she'd done either on her own. And this film does come out 10 years after her first credit, which is Hannah Takes the Stairs, which she wrote. Her partner, Noah Baumbach, who directed the last two, offered to co-write or direct this after reading the original script, but Greta decided to do it herself because she said she wanted to absorb it fully. That's an interesting way of putting it. It has a score by John Bryan. It runs one hour and 34 minutes, which is 10 minutes longer than any of her other movies have been so far. It was wide released on November 24th, 2017 by A24. And we should talk about A24 for a minute, I guess, because it's the first time doing one of theirs on the pod, and they're like truly the flavor of the week right now, I feel like. They're a small production company that were founded in 2012. Some of their early movies have been uh, beloved but weren't really hits. Their first hits came in 2015 with Room and Mm. Ex Machina. Uh, And then in 2016, they really broke out with The Witch and Moonlight. Oh. And I feel like that's sort of the framework for all their stuff going forward is they have like the like prestige horror, the prestige genre stuff they do, like Hereditary and The Lighthouse. And then they also have sort of like the lush Oscar, small budget, like beautiful drama, Mm. like Moonlight and this movie and Mm. Mm. uh, Minari I just watched the other week was really good. Mm. So that's sort of like what they're all about. Uh, and Greta actually made this movie by herself. It it was produced, but she sort of, she, it was done, and then she sold it to A24. Oh, whoa. So it wasn't like they had commissioned it, mm-hmm. like I think the Bombach movies were, because I think he just has some sort of like studio deal, because mm-hmm. he's been working forever. Uh, she didn't pay for it all herself. Like it was produced okay. by people, but then they sought someone to fund it, and That's... A24 bought it. That's sweet. It had a budget of ten million dollars and it made eighty million. <laughs> it was a big hit. That is eight times what any Greta Gerwig movie had made before. Wow. <laughs> it is currently the second highest any Greta Gerwig movie uh Greta Gerwig movie made at the box office. It is also the second highest grossing A twenty four film. Okay, that makes After sense. After the other Greta Gerwig movie. Okay. After <laughs> Uncut Gems. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> but it's actually it's actually just slightly. It's like two million more uncut gems has on this. And also what I didn't realize is A twenty four only releases movies in the United States. I don't know, like focus features or like Universal, like some other company releases all of their stuff internationally. So sort of the threshold for how much money they can make is mm. a little bit okay. less than other studios because they're just um hmm. just in the US. Interesting. This movie was critically acclaimed. It has a 94 on Metacritic, mm-hmm. making it, again, <laughs> the highest critically rated movie we have ever covered on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for five Oscars, Best Picture, uh, Best Director, Best Actress for Ronan, Best Supporting Actress for Metcalf, and Best Screenplay. It did not win any of them. Greta Gerwig was the fifth female director to ever be nominated pre-2020 she's mm-hmm. the most recent female director so, to be nominated so you're saying there is not a woman director since that 2017 apparently what the academy who is worthy is of being considered <laughs> in the top 10 
All that right. is what that is the what Oscars the Academy saying. is saying. And I looked in the screenplay categories, but actually I had, I had heard this, but never really looked into this. In like the 40s and 50s, there were a ton of female screenwriters. Huh. Like early on in the Hollywood system, like everything was written by women. For those two decades, it's like every nominee is a woman. Right. And then after that, they're a lot more rare. The numbers because of that are much higher than, much, much higher than okay, for yeah. director. For screenwriter? Yeah. Wow. And screenwriter is also divided into like original and adapted. Uh, right. So you have more more chances. Well, that okay. Well, I'm just gonna let them have that, but that makes no sense to me. But all right. <laughs> I agree. Lady Bird was also selected alongside one of our previous films, Logan, as one of the ten films to be preserved by the National Board of Review. In 2017, my review quote this week is from Richard Brody at The New Yorker. He writes that Greta Gerwig is a brilliant writer has been clear since the very start of her movie career because the films in which she first starred, such as Hannah Takes the Stairs, were already feats of writing. Her dialogue in those films were mostly improvised, but it's vastly superior to the texts of many acclaimed screenwriters. Other films that she has written, such as Frances Ha and Mistress America, are as readable as they are watchable. Mm. And her new film, Lady Bird, the first feature that she has directed alone, the first to be made on a substantial budget with a large and professional cast and crew, is full of exquisite dialogue. It does reference those old movies we love. And it also, I mean, you two are both playwrights. What do you think about, like, as playwrights, mm-hmm. as people, I feel like playwrights are often more into writing dialogue than screenwriters are uh, mm. because screenwriters are thinking like a whole like visual image and as a playwright and there's something about the like the presence of dialogue as being like the main thing that you have and also she started out saying that she wanted to be a playwright Greta did back in all the way back in 2006 I mean I personally enjoy films where it's there's dialogue in conversations happening. I love when people can use words and make them push the story instead of us having to see a visual thing happen. I was really captured by the the dialogue that was happening here. And when Lady Bird is having this conversation with her mother or with Jules or with Danny, just watching how they are talking to each other, but also how she captured 2002 which is when this movie takes mm. place. Because I think at any point, like you could kind of, you know, mess around and not really capture the essence of that time period and how specific that year is right after 9-11 and all of these things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I love, love dialogue. And when a writer can really capture <laughs> it and really do the work and I don't have to have all this like fanfare, you've done, you've done the job for me. You've given me something I can work with. So, yeah. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed the dialogue in this film. Yeah, I did too. And I feel like in the past movies, there are only some people who can handle her dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, I think the script shines so much because she has actors who are selling it and like figuring out. And also, I'm sure because she's on behind the camera and like getting the pace of it right. It's almost Gilmore Girls and like how quick everyone is talking and like the speed that this movie is going at. Wade said right after we watched it that it was like 91 minute scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And I think that's like, I think that was a very true statement about what this movie is. It's just like, 
and they're all yeah. real scenes with like stakes and st- stuff going on in them but they're all just like so quick and so i don't know they're very efficient in the storytelling i feel like I think when we have conversations with people, especially when we're in these really intense moments, we're it's not a lull. Like we're we're getting to their mm-hmm. points and like we're talking yeah. over each other. And like I love that I think it's probably great that she was behind the camera with this project because of the fact that she could control and like really get her actors to understand the pacing of the world. Um that pacing was perfection as far as I'm concerned. So yes. I think that's correct. Like 91 minute scenes is probably the most accurate way to describe this movie. Just because like they were just, they were quick in and out and like we're on to the next thing. We got everything we needed from that scene. We didn't lose anything. And we're on to the next and we're pushing Mm -hmm. the story forward and we're we're, where we got to go. So yeah, I fully agree with that. We're kind of getting into it already a little bit, but uh, anterior Mm -hmm. on our two point scale. Uh, of rating movies uh-huh. <laughs> would you say that ladybird 2017 greta gerwig written and directed is a flop or a bop it is a boppington bopperton for me just bops all day long um i was in my room was watching it and i have a roommate and my roommate and her boyfriend had watched it a couple of weeks prior and they're like we're just waiting to see what you think about it and i was like yeah, yeah okay i'm excited <laughs> and so i am in my room like laughing at a certain point like loudly and I can hear my roommate just yell, I don't remember anything being that funny. And I was like, yo, well, I am busting a gut in here. So I don't know what you're talking about, but I enjoy this. So get it together over there, girl. I need you to rewatch type of thing. Awesome. Wade, would you yeah. say flop or bop? <laughs> a bop for me, too. Uh, who do you think I am going to come in here and call this movie a flop? It's, it's a big old bop. I saw it. I saw it in theaters when it came out with my mom. Oh, wow. And with Laura, which was a, a fun special experience. And I hadn't seen it since then. So I was kind of, I was wondering if it would like hold up as you always do. And it definitely did. And also to an- Anterior's point, I remember when I first saw it, I was like very taken by the drama and like the heartbreak and stuff. And like this time watching it, like all that stuff is good, but I really thought of it a lot more as a comedy. Like the comedy really stood out to me this time watching it. Emmett, a flop or bop? This is a bop. It's so good. I love everyone in this movie. Unlike Mistress America, which I also love, this movie has only likable characters in it. Where that movie like kind of has a lot of unlikable characters who are doing funny things, this movie is all likable people who end up doing bad things to each other for a mm. good portion of the movie until everything gets resolved. But like I think there's something genuinely like sweet about almost every character in the movie and it is funny and it gives you the whole range of emotions. I think it's wonderful. Only likable. Only likable. You know what? I I'm yeah. going to I'm going to I did not hate anybody. <laughs> For sure didn't hate okay. anybody. I will say there were parts where certain people stressed me out, but I would I didn't mm, yeah. I didn't dislike them, but it was like you are stressing me. I I'm ready to like <laughs> have a conversation with you. But sure. I Who would you say? Uh who would I say was my most stressful? Yeah. I mean, if we're gonna be, you talk about Chalamet. <laughs> I oh god, mm. Chalamet just—he is one of the people where I was like, you remind me of like one of my students who thinks that he's just really cool and like I 
I've got this. Mm. Like, sir, you have nothing. What are you, 17? You know nothing. You know absolutely nothing. I need you to <laughs> calm that down. Mom also stressed me out. Lori Metcalf, like, she puts her foot in this mm. role. I will give her her flowers. She did the work in this role, but my God, was mm-hmm. I like, I feel like I've been shot down. I feel like I've been told I can't go east to college <laughs> and that I'll never get into any other school but Davis. I am shooken. <laughs> but to like, see, <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, oh my God, like, why do you keep telling her she can't go to school? Yeah. Or that she's not good enough, essentially. <laughs> but I think, I think um, that yeah. was her like weird way of trying to protect her from what could happen in any type of rejection because you know new england schools are hard to get into and there's this prestige and if you know your child is a bit of a slacker it's like girl you're not doing what you gotta do so no don't go up out of those schools but you know just a little like if you apply good for you type of thing would have been nice but i do get her trying to protect her and also just not really i don't think she really knew how to like love Lady Bird in the way that she needed to be loved but they would have these sweet moments together mm. after having these huge blowups that I found so beautiful. Like the moment where they're like going to open houses. Oh, that was the most beautiful scene ever. Mm. I was it's like, so sweet. this is our Sunday ritual is yes. going to like open houses. Yeah, dog. I want to do that too. I would love for my mom to be like, let's, let's go girl. Let's look at somebody's rich house. <laughs> Why not? So Boy Metcalf, though yeah. she put her foot all up and through that role, stressed me out a lot throughout this movie. Simon Chalamet, I could have kept him relative. Like, his character was literally like, I've seen this boy in when I was 17 as an adult dealing with children and students. It's like, uh, young man, have a seat. And, like, have a seat, sir. So, those two for sure were the ones that stressed me the most. You know, I was thinking about with her mom because she is Lori Metcalf is is you know now that you get to it, she is kind of horrible to her a lot of this movie, like in in like really specific ways, in like ways that she knows she's really like pushing her buttons, you know. But the it's something that struck me when I was watching the movie is it's like right after this moment where they're having the argument about or they're talking about uh, the husband has lost his job. Like things are going to be really tight and they're like looking through all this stuff. And then she comes home and she was supposed to be staying the night over at her friend's house anyway. So she wasn't even going to be home, but she comes home and her and she like tries to sneak into the house and her mom goes from this situation where like everything is falling apart for the two of them. And then she goes and like exerts all of this control and all of this like power over uh, her daughter in that moment and you're like oh right it, they, that's why you're doing this it's like the one the one tiny your tiny little corner of control is like over your kid and the world is horrifying and really scary at this moment in history you have good reason to be afraid and you have good reason to be upset but the way that she ends up like it, like taking that out on the people closest to her is really really sad really really sad thing for a character Lady Bird is also pretty horrible to her. <laughs> yes, that's also they that are is not also good to true. each other at all. No, I guess we kind of expect teenagers to be like ugly to their parents, but you kind of don't expect them to do it back. Something that struck me too is that like Lady Bird's whole life is kind of all about her mom. 
But her mom's whole life is not all about Lady Bird. Mm. Like, it's important to her, but I wouldn't... Like, we see a lot of the mom by herself doing other things. Mm -hmm. And that it's not like she's always thinking about Lady Bird. It's more like she's always thinking about money. Because there's a lot of, like, class stuff going on in this movie, too, for sure. Yeah. But, like, Lady Bird is, like, in every scene talking about her mom or thinking about her mom or... Yeah. Like, she goes off on her mom all the time, but then, like, whenever anyone says anything bad about her, she, like, defends her mom. Yeah. yeah. And, like, never says anything. She she will always come to her mom's defense and then also always come at her oh, yeah. mom, you it's know? Very, it's Which very much like, I can talk bad about my mom, but you better not ever say anything crazy mm-hmm. about my mom yeah. um, and watching her defend her mom the way that she did like i know there's a scene with her and danny where davy's like she's kind of horrible and she's like no she loves me like pump the brakes sir mm-hmm. you will not come for my mom yeah. and it's you're right way like very much a lot of lady birds kind of the way that she wanders the world is trying to get her mom's approval and like loving on her mom. But her mom certainly is more concerned about how is this, you know, how it's going to get paid for. How are we going to keep food on the table? Like I'm concerned about these like things that I have to like make sure stay in place so that you can go to some type of school so that you can continue to go to this Catholic school that you're going to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird imbalance. It's interesting to see these dynamics in mothers and daughters, but I do love the little moments that we get of seeing them just be two people who, kind of love each other and like each other and and want to be around each other so i think that's a great balance that greta has in the script who else do you love in this movie uh i mean everyone take your pick really i guess if we're talking about the mom we can talk about tracy letts as the dad because i like him a lot and we should mention tracy letts like one of the greatest american playwrights putting so much good stuff on the stage and then like quietly having the second career as warm father figures in movies uh, in recent years, which is very cool to see. I think that that's maybe the role that has the least written for it. And like, he really brings it in sort of all of like the quiet moments and his posture and attitude about being a dad who's like been laid off. This was something that I definitely related to I saw this happen to my own dad in the recession where he was just sort of like overqualified for a lot of the techie jobs that he was going out for um and sort of like at the early boom of the computer age like how a lot of those the first sort of people into it got left behind so that felt like very accurate to me the dad is very funny and I like that it's not like she loves her dad she hates her mom you know, like, they're both a lot more nuanced than that. Because she's kind of, like, mm-hmm. a little embarrassed by her dad. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, I okay, I love him so much. And the thing that, like, the one moment to me that is, like, the standout moment of, like, why this guy is great and why he's so great in this movie is, well, two. It's, like, when he's gone for the interview that, as Wade says, he's overqualified for. And he knows they're not going to hire him because he's old and overqualified and not cool. And then he sees his son in the same suit going in to look at the, like, go for the same job. And instead of doing any weird, competitive, like, toughen up, be a man, like, he, like, straightens his son's tie, like, like, tells him to go and, like, like, knock it out of the park. And it's just, like, such a sweet moment. And, like, you know, he, like, 100% believes it. And, like, that's what he, like, that's what he really means. And then there's also the moment when he comes to bring her the cupcake for her birthday. 
And he says, I couldn't forget your birthday. I only wow. have one daughter. And then he says, well, Shelly too. Which is the girl who's like sleeping on the couch, um, who's his son's girlfriend. And it's just like such a sweet moment of like he cares for like everyone in the whole house and like takes care of everybody. I think it's really sweet. Oh my God. I just, I do love this family as a whole. Um, though there is dysfunction, like they're, mm-hmm. they're obviously people who love each other. And one moment that really stood out for me was um, when Lady Bird came back from uh, Thanksgiving with her friends and she and Shelly are outside and Shelly's like, Hey, your mom really missed you. And they just had this moment of bonding when the first few scenes we saw of Shelly, she was just, you know, Miguel's girlfriend and she was just living on the couch. But for them to have these moments, these quiet moments together as like sister-in-laws, I guess, because were they married or were they boyfriend, girlfriend? I don't remember. But either way, like as me, her and like the brother's girlfriend, they they had a really wonderful bond, I could tell. And it's awesome how this family brought Shelly into their fold as well. A character who also just touches my heart, sweet Jules. Just everybody's a friend like Jules. Jules is always looking out for her girl, just trying to, uh, you know, make this high school experience the best that she can. And Jules, I think, is just rem- is what reminds her most of home whenever things, you know, happen. Because she's like, I'm going to City College. You know, I'm going to be around. These are the things that I'm going to do. And this is my home. This is my space. And she's comfort, I feel, for Lady Bird. And whenever she, like, decides she wants to go to prom after trying to be with the cool kids for a little too long, she knows that she can go to Jules and be like, hey, girl, put on your dress. We're going to go to prom. We're going to eat cheese first, but then we're going to go to prom. And why not? (laughs) And I thought that was so awesome. And like, yes, because y'all are still kids. Like, enjoy that. I wish I would have done those things when I was younger, but I was too busy trying to be grown and trying to get to my parents' house and trying to go off and not really reveling in those Mm. moments Mm. of the last few weeks of high school and just being a kid. Because once you're not a kid anymore, it kind of sucks. So... I love that that arc is like, like we've seen that arc before, you know, like she ditches her best friend to be with the popular kids and then she ends up ditching the popular kids to come back. But it's like, I don't want to say underplayed, but it just like feels so honest that it doesn't feel tropey. And we don't sort of get like these big melodramatic scenes of like Jules crying or like them having a confrontation when she comes back on the prom scene, like... They just are immediately cool again and they like understand each other on such a deep level. Yeah. And even when she left to go be with the popular kids, like whenever Jules wasn't where she was supposed to be, she noticed. She noticed that Jules mm. wasn't in class anymore. She's like, hey, girl, uh uh-uh. uh. Hey, hey, where are you? You're supposed to be in class. Why are you not there? Though she wasn't hanging out with Jules in that moment, she always just knew where Jules was and just wanted to be able to see her and just watch out for her. And it was clear to me that she still cared very much about Jules while trying to find this new independence. I honestly think that that was her trying to see if she could hang out with other people, but in the same, in return, she's trying, not in like a bad way, but like, Uh can she make friends outside of what's comfortable, what's home Mm -hmm. because she wants to leave this space. But in the same time, you know, she kind of, you know, this is her best friend in the process, but just leaving her to the side and being like, all right, I'm going to go, you know, mess with this sister's van over here and prank people and 
lie about who I am. It's no big deal. And then Jules gets saddled with that nerd Darlene. Oh, that nerd. That's all she, she gets. That narc Darlene. All she gets is Darlene, who's like, hey, we're going to class, girl. Yeah. So dumb. Also, Darlene uh, is Catherine Newton, who is in um, Blockers and Detective Pikachu and uh, was just in Freaky with Vince Vaughn. So she's another... A lot of these kids have, like, gotten much more famous since the movie came out, I think in part because of the movie, and also because this movie is on Netflix, and I think that lets a lot more people see it. But in, in some ways, it's already kind of cool watching it because it's like, oh, all of these dudes are together in one movie before they were like super big also so we were talking about uh jules played by the incredible beanie feldstein mm-hmm. uh she has some of my favorite lines in this movie uh including don't be republican <laughs> in response to ladybird worrying about terrorism in new york and <laughs> uh also she has it like an offhand line just at the very end like her dad her mom has been dating this other guy and like that's been a plot point but they never talk about her dad at all until one line is dropped about him he says yeah my real dad resurfaced in yellowstone so i'm going out there for the summer and you're just like what resurface <laughs> how where out of out of like a mud pit what's going on it's incredible I, she's so good in this she's jonah hill's little sister i discovered that recently and i was like yeah no that makes total sense like i what where was i and she was even in the super bad of that of like this generation of film. Yeah, Booksmart, right? Too. Yeah. yeah. I love Booksmart. I'm just going to shout it out here. It's on Hulu. Everyone should go watch Booksmart. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Especially if you like this movie, it kind the ending of uh, Booksmart is kind of a joke about the ending of this movie. And it's also about Beanie Feldstein as one of two high school seniors in California. <laughs> who are about to uh about to graduate college and like trying graduate high school and go to college so yeah that's my plug for that <laughs> that's my sponsored content for this week i think something cool about this movie is that it like pulls a trick to make you think that all of these characters have lives beyond just what we see of them mm. because it like is just so offhandedly like putting in little life details about them like Chalamet, whose dad is dying of cancer, and then you just see him for a second. And Danny is gay, and then he like has a, a grandma who has a Reagan poster, mm-hmm. which he talks about for a second. And you see the father from the beginning, like going to um, some sort of clinical depression, I assume, mm-hmm. like talks with the mom. And it's just like these little bits that don't lead to anything, but are there to make you feel like these are like real fully developed characters who have things going on beyond just like their function in the movie, you know, like Chalamet has a life. That's not just being like the jerk hot first boyfriend that she has. Yeah. Yeah. Still a jerk, but yes. Okay. So let's, <laughs> yes. Yeah, still, still a jerk. I want to say about him in this movie that he is reading an awesome book called the people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn which is like a joke kind of that he's reading it in this movie in in the sense that like of course he is but it is a really good book about like the like the struggle of like labor versus capitalism like and like the working class against capitalism for 
the entire history of America. I I would recommend it, um, even though it is it is a virtue signaler for the old Timothy Chalamet in this film. And also there's a great graphic novel adaptation of it called a, a people's history of the American empire. So that's my sponsored content for the week. All of the characters, the details are so specific going back to like the 2002 of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like everything he talks about is so spot on to like the edgy mm-hmm. counterculture dudes yeah, I'm not going to name any names here, but I know some people who are just like that and who have like those barter system books and uh, mm-hmm. haven't lied in two years and are at the back of the party reading a book while everyone else is going crazy. Like, I found it very interesting, and this is a completely different topic, but Jenna. And Jenna's want to stay in Sacramento and be a housewife and be a mom and things like that. It's like, looking at Jenna, she does not give those vibes that she would at all want to be, you know, in, stuck in Sacramento, as Lady Bird would say. But, like, she just wants to be just a mom and a, you know, a wife one day, and that's kind of it. And she just gives this this air that she would be kind of out, you know, living a life in L.A., like, doing all of these pretty, like, baller and awesome things. And she's like, no, I'm cool with Sacramento. Sacramento's home. This is where I want to be, and nothing's going to change that. And I do love how the characters, what they seem is not – they're not that. And it really speaks to the fact that these are fully fleshed out characters, like fully, fully fleshed out. Even when, you know, you think you know what's going on, they will always drop a little nugget to let you know something about them that's like completely different. So I just, that just stuck with me like throughout the movie. I was like, huh, really? Really, Jenna? Okay, girl. Well, I'll let you have that. I would for sure think that you'd be trying to get out of Sacramento just like Lady Bird. Maybe (laughs) not to go to the East Coast, but for sure... You're not trying to stay in Sacramento. And then she just like pulls up and is like, nah, dog, I'm here. She also is like a little nicer yeah. than you would expect her to be, especially after like Lady Bird lies to her and she finds out that she's poor and everything. She does call her weird at one point, but she is much nicer. Than- <laughs> yeah, no, she's not cool, yeah. but she's nicer than she probably <laughs> yeah. would be in another movie. Yeah. She also looks a little excited the last time you see her when Lady Bird is like, actually, I don't like this. Actually, I want to go and see my best friend and not hang out with you guys. Mm. Um, mm. Like, she looks like she's a little bit like into Lady Bird standing up for herself like that as she's watching from the backseat. And, you know, if her boyfriend is friends with uh, Chalamet's character, I'm sure she's seen like a thousand girls go through this thing where they change themselves. Mm for Chalamet and like whatever thing he's reading today and like whatever Mm -hmm. coffee he's into this week like they're going to change themselves and you know I do remember that moment where she does kind of look like oh okay she's got some you know she's got some some chutzpah she can stand up for herself and she can say no I actually am not about to change these plans I've got this really cute dress on that I found and I got really excited about so I'm gonna go to prom you don't have to go but you can for sure drop me off at my friend's house because I need to make that right. These two dresses that she wears, she has two very pink dresses in this movie. They're both incredible. Incredibly pink. And shout out to her mom for just being so extra and being like, is that not too pink? Ma'am, <laughs> what are we saying? Like, the the darker pink is a better pink than the baby pink that we were wearing in the beginning. So I think this is not as aggressive as what we were wearing before. But yeah, she does wear very two specific pink dresses. And her mom is always there to like, you know, take it in, you know, do the work on it, make sure she looks good for whatever 
Thanksgiving or prom, she's going to. Well, moving down the list of performances in this movie, we've talked about him a little bit. It's Lucas Hedges playing Danny, her first boyfriend. It's like, it's this very sweet relationship until she finds out that he is gay and has been keeping this from her and is like, she catches him making out with another boy in the bathroom after the school play. And it's very upsetting for her. Like later, he comes to her to be like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. Like, I can't tell my family. And she comforts him. And it's like this really nice moment of like, she like does the right thing and doesn't turn her back on her friend, even, even though it's not like the easiest situation of somebody who you like really thought you had one certain way kind of connection with. And then you turn out, it's a different sort of, you know, it's a different sort of thing. I think that at no point did Danny not love Lady Bird. I really felt like there was, there was genuine love there and that he mm. really did love mm. and care for her. Yeah. And I think even throughout it, even after the breakup, he still loves her and cares for her. Because when they have that moment after graduation where he walks up to the table and like embraces her and he knows about, um. you know, the wait list. Her mom don't know about the waitlist type of deal and kind of drops that bomb on the table. Mm. Um, there's still obviously love between the two of them. And though it was really, you know, upsetting for her to find out the way that she found out, I love the fact that when he came to her and said, you know, I don't know what to do with this. Please don't tell anybody. She was like, I would never do that. I would never do that. And embraces him. And 2002 was a completely different time for allyship and understanding Mm -hmm. the LGBTQIA community. So like for her in 2002 at 17 to be like, no, that is not, I'm not saying anything. This is between Mm -hmm. us. And whenever you're ready to share that, you do it. But I will hold you and I'll embrace you and I will just support you through whatever you're going through. I thought that was so beautiful. Yes, Greta, you get all the flowers from me, girl. Because that scene just... Oh my god, all snaps. I loved it. Yeah, he's so warm. He's so... I love him in this movie. He was... That scene in particular was probably the thing that stuck with me the most after watching it the first time. Yeah, and I love how specific all of the relationships are. Yeah, it's not like Danny and Kyle are like opposites and it's just sort of like, which one do you choose? They're just like two very like honest, specific relationships. Uh, Something cool I read is that Gerwig... Uh, offered Lucas Hedges his choice of the boy roles. Oh, wow. And he picked Danny. That's really cool. That's awesome. Which, I mean, seems like the right yeah. role for him. Yeah, exactly. it. But yeah, she's, she basically said, like, you, you can do whichever wow. these you want to do. And he said, Danny. Was that coming off of Manchester by the Sea? Is that what... So I think that, that wouldn't out? have come out yet. But yeah, Hedges had already kind of broken because Manchester by the Sea comes out in 16. Mm-hmm. And this comes out in 17. You went to school with Lucas Hedges, didn't you? I'm not sure if we should say this on air or not. <laughs> I can cut I it was... out if we shouldn't. Um, but he's he's kind of from Winston-Salem. So I remember seeing this movie in Aperture. There was a lot of like hometown excitement among the crowd to see him in a movie yes as there was in manchester by the sea he went to school of the arts the university of north carolina school of the arts for a year before uh moving on to bigger and better things such as being in this film and manchester by the sea (laughs) and several other films that he's been in after that but he was there at the, uh, some of the same time that I was there when I was a junior, I believe. He was a freshman. I didn't know him super well, but he is a 
very like warm and loving person. Like you saw him at parties and talked to him. And his dad is Peter Hedges, who's a like famous screenwriter and writer, film producer in his own right. He did. Uh, he wrote the book that uh, What's Even Gilbert Grape is based on, and has done a lot of other sort of mm. stuff like that. And he did a he gave a talk while Wade and I were there together in high school that was very inspiring to me and like instrumental in my decision to like go into directing. That's interesting because that talk was also what made me want to be a writer. Oh my yeah, gosh, that's so awesome! And I, I I talked to him briefly after, um, and he gave me some writing advice, which I which like really got me started. And then I've seen him a couple times after that too. Oh, in Winston, always at um, Aperture events, mm-hmm. which is the indie theater in Winston. And while we're doing sponsored content, I would say if you're in the position to support Aperture right now, because they're an awesome place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lucas Hedges had kind of already had already broken the year before. Chalamet was in. He's the son in Interstellar, which I didn't know until what? researching this in oh. 2014. That sounds like a joke, but let me look it up. <laughs> it's it's legit. I, it's wild, but he didn't. He ha- really hadn't done anything. So this and Call Me by Your Name come out the same year. And that's sort of like his big, like, this guy is going to be in everything now mm. moment. Sersha, this film came out 10 years after she got the best supporting nom for Atonement when she was like a little kid. Wow. And then she did like Brooklyn in 2015. But this is really her like calling card movie, I feel like. And she was also in a fantastic film, uh, Hannah from I don't know what year about a little girl assassin which I brought up before on our X-Men podcast you should go watch it she's really good how do we feel about her in this because it's it's the first time we've seen someone else playing like the Greta Gerwig main character role so can I ask really quickly what does the typical Greta Gerwig main character look like well it's typically played by Greta Gerwig so, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So she's doing the work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's what you mean. This is the Got fifth, it. the fifth movie she wrote, and the first one that she's not the main Got character it. in. Yeah. Or at okay. least like a lead character. Yeah. Okay. 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 And the other characters, their dialogue is written like Lady Bird's dialogue is written in this. Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of different, obviously, because it's a different actor, but it's like very similar attitudes of characters. Saoirse Ronan takes it more seriously i feel i feel like i go on more of an emotional journey with her i think that if greta gerwig was doing it it would be more pure comedy i think that she is like very funny in a lot of those early movies definitely in mistress america but like i think even in parts of those early movies that aren't really very funny she makes it funny just with her very strange line delivery and everything and like her whole just like goofy personality I think that having Saoirse Ronan do it like brings more of the emotional depth. And I imagine that'd be very difficult to like play the person that you're working for who also wrote and is directing the movie. True. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like a little daunting. <laughs> well, I will say, you know, Saoirse, she holds her own in this. And I do love that when she is with her scene partners in these scenes, she is really doing the work to to hold these people to task and to to stay on par especially with her and laurie metcalf like laurie's been out here in these streets for a long time so for her to be able to like really mm-hmm. keep up and like 
for them to have these like really nuanced scenes where they're going tit for tat and then two seconds later they're enjoying each other's company and really being able to balance that I think it's fantastic and I've not seen Greta in her other movies I haven't seen her other movies so I don't know how like it you know how it you know compares to contrast but I will say that I agree with you Emmett like you do go on this roller coaster with her um watching her really hate her hometown watching her really try to like get out of the west coast or get out of sacramento and just like leave that space and be somebody new and find this adventure on the east coast and then kind of get there and be homesick and realize i miss my family and i am christina i am you know what my parents have called me and i've worked so hard to like be completely different and change myself and you know have this this identity that's my own not realizing that all those things of Sacramento that I hate so much have made me who I am in this moment right now while I'm drunk at this party vomiting and now I'm in the hospital like <laughs> like I think she had to really come to task with oh snap these things that I've hated all this time really are in essence who I am and a part of who I am and I think that spoke to me a lot as somebody who left her hometown thinking I'm gonna go to the big city of Atlanta (laughs) and you know really try to erase that part of myself when I have to reckon with the fact that no like that little podunk town in South Georgia is what made me me and what's gotten me to this place so it's more of a year in the life movie Kind of similar to Frances Ha, I feel like. Like, it's less like she's a character who's chasing yeah. one specific thing down the entire time. And more of you're just, like, watching her at all these different stages of her life. Was there any way behind-the-scenes drama on this film? I've got a little bit of info. Okay. Not a ton. <gasps> you got some tea? A little bit, yeah. Ooh. So, the first draft of this movie... Uh-huh. It was 350 pages long. Oh my gosh. Okay. And it was called Mothers and Daughters. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready. okay. And then they whittled it down from there. You know, as you alluded to, Emmett, Greta Gerwig herself grew up in Sacramento, mm-hmm. went to a Catholic high school mm-hmm. where she graduated about the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, moved to New York City to go to college without having visited there before, Mm -hmm. has a mother who is a nurse named Christine. (laughs) Wow. So I think, like, the question is, or interested parties may inquire how much of it is real. Mm -hmm. Greta has said that nothing in the movie literally happened in my life. Hmm. So she's saying 0% of it is autobiographical she said that she was not rebellious at all in high school and that she was the total opposite of ladybird but she said that the events of the movie are connected to her life and they rhyme with the truth (laughs) i love her (laughs) i love her so much they rhyme with the truth okay yeah i don't know i think this movie is deeply personal right Mm mm-hmm and it's, I think it's a great example of, like, you got to be so specific to be so universal. Because this is clearly, like, about a very specific personal mother-daughter relationship that I know I have heard, like, so many people be like, this is the most accurate representation of my mother-daughter experience in real life on screen. It was interesting hearing her say that it was none of it. I wonder if it was sort of from a starting place of, like, what if someone else lived my life? Mm. Mm. She gave the 
cast and the crew copies of her high school yearbooks and her high school journals. Okay, Greta. <laughs> I know. That. Where are the details? <laughs> I need to know. I need to read the journals. Give us <laughs> the Gerwig edit and Joan Didion novels. Who's uh, who's a Sacramento writer? She's the one whose quote opens the movie. I'm putting it all together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so those were like her mood board that she gave to everyone to explain like the time they were trying to replicate. Damn. And I thought you'd enjoy this, Emmett. She said that she wanted to make it look like a female boyhood. Oh. And that's why, that's where like the look of the movie came from. You know, here's my thought on that. I think she failed completely and thank God she did. Uh, if it had been like a female boyhood, it would have been terrible. This is this far, this far, far outshines that heaping pile of garbage. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think the the proof of the pudding in that is that people will always be like, "This is going to be the male ladybird." Yeah, exactly. You know, like when that oh, mid '90s yeah. Jonah Hill movie was coming out, mm-hmm. um, and I think a couple other people would be like, "It's going to be for boys what Lady Bird was for girls," <laughs> as if there hasn't been 90 years of film that's that. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, that's pretty much what I got. She cast Ronan before anyone else off of a cold read in her Whoa. hotel room. Uh, while they were both at a festival, apparently she like had the script and she was like, you want to come back and read something? And Gerwig read all the other parts and uh, wrote in Red Lady Bird. And she cast her off of that. And then she cast Hedges and let him pick his role. And then everyone else sort of came together after she had those two locked in. That's tight. That's so... That... Uh, and the only other thing I have is that she's not named after... The first lady, Emmett, the first, you know, who uh, the first yes, lady? The, the first lady, uh, Lady Bird Johnson, LBJ's wife. So she's not named after that. So sadly, we are not doing a quiz about first ladies on film. <laughs> and that's only part of the reason. The other part of the reason is there are not enough movies about first ladies or even movies about presidents in which the first ladies appear and are played by famous people that we would have heard of. Um, so fix this. Hollywood. The only other thing I have to say about this is that you know the second that Doug Imhoff becomes Uh first gentleman or whatever we're going to be calling him, they're going to be all of these movies about, oh, okay, so what's it like for the first gentleman? You know, we're going to have a first gentleman show on ABC or something about like a little comedy show about first gentlemen Uh, (laughs) where are the first lady lady movies? We need more of them. And Jackie is like the, the not the most interesting or at least oh no <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, sorry for that little diversion and Terry, what do you remember about 2002 for our cultural context segment of this show <laughs> is, is, any, anything in particular strike you i was in the fourth grade is what i remember <laughs> about 2002 and uh gosh what do i remember that trl was very much still a thing mm-hmm. and i often wanted to go home and request songs but my mom was like that you're not doing that do your homework please so i wanted to be on the phone calling in to play cry me a river but here we are oh yeah that's how you know they had a budget for this movie because they, they played play that, that justin song, timberlake song which i was a little bit mad that i got into and i was like no i'm mad at justin right now so 
Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, for real. You can also tell that they were, were like, we paid a million dollars to have the rights. We're going to play all four minutes of this song <laughs> <We're> <laughs> throughout this, this whole party, party scene. It's like, so this is what we're listening to. Also, I just want to point out that they were slow dancing to Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony. And I was like, whoa, this is a song about death? Like, why are we slow dancing in our, in our like, giddy-up? That's... No, that's, that's a real the, thing. That's the thing they do at slow dances to make you think about mortality. So, it, like, it will pour cold water on whatever, you know, <laughs> lusty thoughts you might be having. That's a real thing. I was, like, a few years after this. But I remember in middle school, slow dancing to Lollipop by Little Lane. <laughs> because it's like, sometimes you just gotta <laughs> take what you get, you know? That and... um what was the Aerosmith song from Armageddon? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, don't want to miss a thing. Oh my god. That would like close out every dance. Yeah, our senior prom, my junior prom, sorry, my junior prom closed out to Halo by Beyonce. Um, it's like that's, <laughs> I feel like we can kind of wrap this up. Can someone call the car around? <laughs> like, I love Beyonce. Don't get me wrong. I just bought my Icy Park like last week, but. Halo is one where I'm like, I don't need to slow dance to this one, so we're just gonna head out, guys. So that's what we remember from 2002. Uh, the school dances were terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one of like the pebble surfer necklaces that Lucas Hedges had yes, in his movie. I had one of those things. I think mine was probably blue. His was white in this, but I do remember those very clearly. In 2002, I was seven years old, and I do not remember much about it at all. Except those cool glasses that they wear at the New Year's party. I do remember those things. The 2002 and 2003. And people desperately Mm. playing. Tonight we're going to party like it's 1999 as a throwback. And that was... I remember that. I remember at seven years old understanding that that was sad. (laughs) 2002, also a year when... One of the years of the past 20 plus years now that the u.s has been involved in the war in afghanistan um which is like kind of something that's happening in the periphery of this movie in a big way and like Mm -hmm. the timothy chalamet is really upset about or something (laughs) is is channeling (laughs) uh, channeling his emotions away from personal relationships into broader political Mm. uh feelings which i certainly have know some people who might have been guilty of that the past year (laughs) um that was a a thing that was going on and i think was more in the cultural imagination then like it's still going on we just don't ever really like talk about it or have to reckon with it at all but i think like then it was like on the i remember it being on the radio all the time when i was a kid and like anytime you were seeing the news there was like all this you know like desert warfare going on and alarming stuff and i'm sure much more alarming if you're 17 18 and like actually like understand what that is you know like can process what's going on and are having to see it all the time i'm sure their parents are talking about it so like a lot of like the high tension in this movie maybe i mean there's there is like such a thing as like they're just being a whole tense environment i feel like we've been living in one for the past year now you know like of just like everybody is more on edge this year this past year too and like i feel like that might also be true in this movie everybody's just a little keyed up and just like you don't ever know what's going to set people off. Yeah. Just my thoughts. Just my thoughts. Let's talk about this. We kind of talked about it, and I think I know what you are going to choose, but 
Let me ask you who the protagonist is and what they want. Anterior, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with Lady Bird okay. um, as our protagonist. I want to say that Lady Bird is, there's a lot of things that she wants, but they all kind of go around just uh, her wanting some type of independence. And I think also trying to figure out herself and separate herself from this thing that's around her and, and kind of get outside of Sacramento and, and, be her own person um, with her mom and her, the control that she has over her and with Sacramento and the fact that she feels like she's stuck here. I think that she is trying to find herself and take control of her own self. And if that means leaving and getting like clear across country, then that's how she's going to have to do it. And that's fine. Or dating this one guy is how she's going to have to do it. That's fine. But I think she's just trying to have control of her life and do the things that she wants to do. Wait think it's lady bird i i couldn't agree with anterior more i think it was it's hard for me to like put a pin on exactly what she wants throughout most of this you know everything she does feels very like true to her character like you're never like oh that's a weird thing for her to do but it also doesn't feel like there's one sort of thing like like it's always kind of comes back to her mom but it's not like she's trying to be like i'm gonna be nothing like my mom or I want to leave the house or I want to be exactly like my mom or whatever, you know? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) It's hard. It is hard because it works dramatically because you want to say like, it's more like real life and less like a movie and that it's covering like this span of time when all these different experiences, but it does work dramatically. Like it isn't worse for that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like she wants to name herself. Ooh. Hmm. You know what, Emmett? I wish you were right here so I could just slap you because, yes, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think it's like all of – I mean, I don't – like this is not to leave out any of the things that both of you have said. I think I completely agree. And But it it's this forging of herself. Hmm. And you don't like – you don't know who you are until you get out of the place where you were made. And then you find out, like, what's the stuff that you, like, take with you? What parts were you and what parts were all the people around Mm -hmm. you? Like, that's what the whole movie is leading towards. And she doesn't even really, like, I don't know. This might be one of those things where it's like, how how consciously does she know that? But she's all because she's always but she's always naming herself Ladybird, and like she wants people to know her name and know that it's Ladybird right up until she doesn't Mm -hmm. anymore. And like that seems like the big dramatic shift that in a metaphorical sense that encapsulates like encapsulates the whole like arc for me. Mm. Hmm. And that and then like her eventual name is yeah, the one it's the, it's the given one. one. Yeah, exactly. So it all yeah, mm-hmm. it, because maybe her parents did did know her. Now we're going to talk about something a little a little lighter, a little a little <laughs> poppier, a little uh... All right, we're going to we're going to play a game that we love here called Greta off without you where we rank the potential boyfriends the potential suitors in this so wade i i I, you usually keep track of who we are actually going to put on this list because i think it is lucas hedges as danny and timothy chalabay as kyle but is there anyone else you would like to submit yeah i would submit a couple others that are not suitors of ladybird but are suitors Uh, also you always say we rank them but we actually don't rank them We just pick which one we would be most likely to date in real life. Yeah, but ranking... (laughs) Yeah, there's there's rankings. There's yes and no. (laughs) Those are the rankings. 
Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I would submit the hot teacher. Oh, oh yes. I would also submit him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I would submit Miguel, who we haven't talked about this movie yet, oh, but yeah. I love. Oh, Miguel, yeah. and Miguel is, is great. Another character who feels like there's a big story there that we're just seeing little pieces of. Mm-hmm. I love the moment where Lady Bird is like, you're never going to get a job with all that stuff in your face. And he looks like so hurt and shocked. And like, it has never occurred to him before that he, as like a goth (laughs) weirdo looking dude, like looks any different than anyone else ever in the world. And then he takes it out of his face when he goes to his job interview. And it's like, look, that baby learned. You're not getting this job. If you keep that Mm -hmm. in your face, dog, I'm telling you that cannot go to work like that. Mm -hmm. And he's like also like I feel like he's a good big brother too. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. he's he's I mean they, he only fights when she's fighting with her mom. So he also like got a good degree and is now working in a bagging groceries because there's like an economic bad stuff going on. No, I just thought it was really sweet that whenever he did get his like you know big fancy job that he was like, hey, my job at the grocery store is ready for you if you want it um Mm -hmm. nepotism i guess but he's like hey (laughs) they know me uh you need a job after high school so here's something you can do over the summer to make some money and it's like she he did not have to think about her in that regard he could have been like all right i got my job peace out y'all good big brother okay so that's so that's number four so we've got these four danny kyle miguel hot teacher who we don't know the name (laughs) of but we don't really need to all right anterior who would of those four who would you date can I like make a hybrid or do I have to pick one? Oh, you, you do whatever you want. You do whatever. Okay, great, 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 great. I just love just how sweet and caring Danny is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that hot teacher is hot. So if I could get the, the personality of Danny wrapped <laughs> into the teacher, that would be fantastic personally. I I just, I really do love Danny and Lady Bird when they're together and they have their moments. The fact that they name a star. They name him Bruce. What a, like... I didn't do stuff like that with anybody when I was in high school. It was like, we're talking for two weeks and then we don't know each other after that. So it's very <laughs> romantic and very sweet for 2002. And just, it's very clear that he, you know, cares about her and then he loves her. And I love Danny. And the fact that he's a, he's a little actor out here acting under the father, acting under this coach who clearly somehow directed the play. I don't know how. <laughs> Uh, with like football plays i love it i love him I so like, much how did we have a successful play when literally you were just like we're just gonna block we've not done a cold read we've not done anything you're not casted this baby he's like you you're gonna go down the stage you're gonna sing though then you're gonna come back and like the fact that he can take direction like that from that nonsense and be great <laughs> Danny deserves all of the things, so Danny with the the teacher's bot is what I want. Fantastic, Wade. Who would you who would you choose out of these four? Yeah, I feel like Danny is such a catch. He's so sweet, and they feel like they have the most like. Uh, they feel like they have the closest relationship of anyone in the movie. But I like Miguel a lot too. Miguel's got some style. He's a hard worker. He's trying to increase his station in life. It seems like him and Shelly like have a a pretty good relationship. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, really care about each other. So, I don't know. I like him a lot, too. I, okay. You're going to say shallow <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do, I'm I'm do what Kate did on our first episode with this question and say, I'm going to break this up into two categories. Well, on the one category, it's who would I actually date in real life? <laughs> It's the I Timothy knew it. Chalamet I knew character. It. It's, it, who would I, who would I want to say like think that it was a good idea and like you know everything except whatever the thing is would be there? That's the Danny character. So sweet, so kind, so wonderful and pure. But honestly, it's young young Timothy Chalamet. He's uh, done it again. He has once again stolen my heart in one of these Greta Gerwig movies. And for the first time, he's actually in it. <laughs> well, that concludes our part on um, Greta Off Without You. And I've just said what I think about our everyday Chalamet. He's amazing. Anterior, this is the part where we talk about everyday Chalamet. We rate Timothy Chalamet's performances in this movie. Spoiler alert, this is the first one he's actually been in. So it's a very special moment for us here. <laughs> What did you think of his performance in this film? Just a quick recap. I know we you already know, talked about I it a little. I think Timothy Chalamet really did the work of being just an all-around bad boy jerk, but just with a little bit of, you know, a little extra there. Put a little spice on it with his backstory. Mm-hmm. He drinks coffee. He reads books at parties. He's not your average bad boy. So I say, hey, hey, I'm here for Chalamet. I think he plays the character so accurately that like if this year he didn't have a ladybird and call me by your name where he's playing another part like he would have just played this character for like 8 years and not been able to get any other gigs <clears throat> and then like that would be it you know cuz he yeah. is so good at this specific character i think how you feel about him is a litmus test of who you are like i think you Anyone could watch this movie and tell me how they feel about his character and I could tell them who they are as a person. <laughs> because he is just like, how how you react to that is, is very defining of who you are, I feel like. I feel like there's no right or wrong answer, but he's just like such a real person. And like Now it's time for the quiz. And this quiz was going to be called Quizzy McGuire. Solid. But after... <laughs> But after Wade talked about uh, the original title for this screenplay, I'm changing the name to Mothers and Daughters, which is actually more thematically appropriate anyhow. So this is a game that's going to be just a little hard for everybody here, including me. (laughs) Oh, good. That's good. Oh, gosh. That's good to hear. So so the, the name of this game is that I'm going to name a famous actress, and then I'm going to name two other actresses and you're going to have to tell me which one they are actually related to and which one they have been in a movie with where they were playing relatives got it so it's just relations it's not mother daughter most of them are mother daughter but i think there might be some that are it might not necessarily be it could be somebody's actual mother and their daughter in a movie or vice versa and you just have to but you wouldn't know because it you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be the same category. Just because I was having a little trouble okay, on okay. doing the research okay. and getting all the people. <laughs> That's okay. Susan Sarandon is the actress. Okay. Saoirse Ronan or Ava Amuri are your two choices. One of them has played her daughter in a film. One of them is her real daughter. Or sorry, not necessarily her, her daughter. relative of sorts. <laughs> A relative of sorts, yes. 
I'm going to say Sersha is her relative, and Ava played in a movie with her. I believe I know this one, and I okay. believe it is the opposite. Dang it! Okay, wait. I think Ava Murray is from Shameless? Or Californication? I think Californication is what she's from. I don't know what Ava Amari is from, but she is Susan Sarandon's actual real-life daughter. Saoirse Ronan is, like, really Irish. She is, yeah, as the name would suggest. All right, moving right along. We've got Laura Dern as the actress um, to whom these other actresses may be related. The others are Diane Ladd, Reese Witherspoon. I don't see age-wise how... Reese could line up unless they were like cousins. So I'm going to say Diane Ladd. Is her relative? Yes, I'm going to say Diane Ladd is really related to. Yeah, I'm going to say the same. You both get a point. That's correct. Laura Dern played Reese Witherspoon's mother in the movie Wild. Uh, huh. Yes. And Diane Ladd is Laura Dern's actual mother. I mean, how old are they? Like 14 years apart? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Viola Davis, Genesis Tenen. And Sunia Sydney. I want to say Genesis is her actual daughter's name. That's my final answer. All right, I'll go with Sunia then. All right, Interior, you have you have a point, Wade. You do not. Genesis Tenen is Viola Davis's real daughter, and Sunia Sydney played her stepdaughter or adopted daughter in the movie Fences. Now we have Carrie Fisher with. Debbie Reynolds and Natalie Portman as the two other actress options. Debbie Reynolds is for sure her relative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Both with the point there. That is correct. And now to bring it all back home, I guess question number six or something on this quiz. (laughs) Uh, Meryl Streep, Amanda Seyfried, Mamie Gummer. Mamie Gummer. Yeah, Amanda Seyfried is her daughter in uh, Mamma Mia, right? So and maybe yeah, maybe yeah. looks just like her mom. Just putting that out there, like just like her mom. All right, here we have it. The final score is I don't know, but Anterior one. Yay! Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. You know the did, most. I did so much. Wow. You know the most about the actresses and who their daughters are, who are also famous actresses. I think this is important. I think they should star in more movies together. Perhaps movies about the first ladies and their relationships with their daughters. Perhaps a movie called <laughs> Lady Bird 2 about Lady Bird Johnson and her relationship with her daughters, if she had any. Final question. Enter who is your MVP OTLB? Your MVP other than Lady Bird? Her mom. Her mom. Mm. Watching her drop her daughter off at the airport and then drive around because she knows she messed up and even still like breaking down and bawling into her husband's arms because she she missed her child go. I just know like that that killed her. And it's clear that this mother loves her daughter. She just doesn't know how to do it in a, in a not so aggressive way um, sometimes. But yeah, Lori Metcalf, she like I said, she gets the flowers for me. She did the work. Mm-hmm. Wait. This movie is an embarrassment of riches with side characters who shine mm. in their little part. But I'm going to give it to Lois Smith as Sister Sarah Joan. Yes! 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 yes. She is great. She's so good. We did not no, talk about she's her. So Perfect. She's so good. Yes. She destroys. I think she has uh, maybe three scenes, and she's like so good in all of them, particularly the last one where she 
talks to Lady Bird about her writing and she like forgives her for playing the prank on her. And also in like the 10 seconds you see her at the beginning where she's like teaching like some literature class about some famous romance and she's like very smitten with it and she's like, it'll make you swoon. (laughs) She's so good as that lady. Uh, Emmett, who's your MVP? It's it's hard. It's a toss-up. I'm going to have to go with Jules as Beanie Feldstein. Uh, Incredible. Yeah. She, her comic delivery is just beautiful, and the relationship that the two of them share is really, I think, like... There's a couple of, of like, beating hearts of this movie, but, like, their relationship is certainly one of the strong ones. Yeah. Um, and she's hilarious at the same time. All right. Emma, can I ask you? Yes. Uh, what sort of connections, or did you see any through lines from her other movies that we've seen into this oh. one? Um, I would say that it feels like this is kind of like a another go at the backstory of her original her original character, uh, of Greta Gerwig's original character from Hannah Takes the Stairs. Hmm. It's like this could be this could be the character that turns into that character. And if we've been tracking her the like the people that she was playing through those four films is all kind of possibly being the same person. Uh not in any like super textual way, but like it, it like spiritually the same. I think this kind of follows into that. I thought too, as especially after watching Mistress America, that it's she could be a person who's dealing with having been a mean person in high school or like having been mean to people in her young life. I'm not sure if that's actually true, especially like you say this, she says this movie is 0% based on her real life, but that's, that's kind of what I see. I also see it as being the best written of all of them. Also Mm -hmm. the best, like the most snappily directed, Mm -hmm. um, just like has the most style. I think there's, a lot there i really it really kind of makes sense as the culmination of all of them Mm -hmm. it has like the snap the comedy snap cuts which have been there from the beginning Mm -hmm. where like something crazy happens and then it cuts to them like crying in bed or whatever this is another take on like the structure of francis ha Mm -hmm. in terms of that like year in a life like sentiment yeah i think this has the tone of francis ha too Mm -hmm. um but also a little bit of the comedy of mistress america and I think the end is like a little bit of that whole thing from Mistress America where she's like actually going to college like doesn't always fix your problems. Mm-hmm. Like actually freshman year is hard, really right. hard for a lot of people and it's not like yeah, not like you get out and then your life is perfect, you know. Yeah. And I also thought this movie has the sexual frankness from the first two movies mm. yeah. that isn't really in the other two Bombach movies. That's true. Huh. Which I think is kind of interesting because I feel like this movie is like beloved in a way that movies that have like as explicit sexual content as this movie normally aren't. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is sort of like celebrated as like a warm cry, feel good, almost mm-hmm. family movie. And we don't see like all of the nudity like we do right. in the in those first two movies. But it is it does have like a very graphic sex scene, like full on discussion of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Lots of like masturbation in it too. Mm. That was interesting. That sort of like the tone overcomes those things hmm. and makes them feel more real in a way that maybe they were striving for in those first movies, yeah. but like never quite got there. 
Well, I think this just goes back to the fact that if you want realism, if you want something to appear realistic, I think you have to just be more subtle about the way you use metaphor. But it's art. There's going to be metaphor. Like, you can't Hmm. just be like, oh, well, we're not doing that. We're not putting any effort into structuring it in a metaphorical way or, like, presenting these things in, like, a preconceived, laid-out fashion because that would be dishonest. But when the truth is, like, you can convey greater honesty through delicately laying out how all of these things resonate with each other you know and here do you have any plugs uh any the any place where folks can find your work or any projects that you are working on currently that you're excited for listeners to find out about yeah you know um i just wrapped up a short film with the alliance theaters digital series in atlanta so keep Mm. a lookout for that don't know when it's dropping i just know that i just wrapped on sunday so that's all i've got right now my sketch group black af because i won't say the full name because this is a family show (laughs) (laughs) we are back in works getting things together so we should be dropping some digital content soon if you want to follow me on the socials it's the the with two e so t-h-e-e anterior anterior as in the front not the inside um and yeah follow (laughs) me on things i'm around um and yeah that's that's a little bit about what I'm doing. Well, thank you yeah. so much for being with us this evening. We love having you on. I love being yeah. here. Thanks, guys, for having thank me. You. It's yeah. been so long since I've seen your faces because we're in a pantyhose right now. I uh, know. Yeah. Know. What a it's mess. awful. Interior is one of my favorite playwrights. No qualifiers. So Sorry. if you if you get a chance to check out any of her stuff, you absolutely you should. are one of my favorite playwrights because only Wady Bob no, yes no, no. would have oh. people being murdered on stage <laughs> and worms coming out of bellies and things. I won't say the full extent of how any of that happened, but I can always count on you to just give me spectacle and like really go for the gusto and be like, I'm just gonna do it. Why not? Leave it to Lady Bob. <laughs> I love oh, you guys so much. Uh, I love you. I love you. Uh, do either of you have any final thoughts on this? I think now I have to go see like Greta's other work. Like now I have to see how it all stacks mm-hmm. up and how they all compare and and come back again with more thoughts on things. I'm excited to see the grand finale that is Little Women, a movie that tore me apart the first time I saw it and I haven't seen since. This movie sets the stage for that movie because it's Saoirse Ronan and Greta Gerwig working together for the first time. And that movie, as I remember it, is like the like an acting bonanza. People are acting <laughs> all over that movie. So that's what, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm just getting really, really hyped up for <laughs> Little Women. Yeah, I think Greta Gerwig is incredible. I think this was time well spent on these movies. And I think I cannot wait for her to come out with more movies so we get to come back to them and cover them as those come out. Yeah, this movie rocks. (laughs) It's it's awesome. And definitely when when it came out, I remember being like, wow, this Greta Gerwig, she's really good. She came out of nowhere. And now having watched 10 years worth of her movies, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't, you don't get to this place just overnight. Yeah, I think it's great. I hope the mom retired in 2019. I yeah. I thought I about that during this movie. Because she's already working doubles in 2002, and it looks like she'd be maybe close to 60 in, 
in 2020. So yeah, I hope she had a nice retirement party in 2019 and uh, stayed safe at home with old Tracy Letts. She deserves. Well, everybody join us next week when we discuss little women, the 2019 Timothy Chalamet, (laughs) Saoirse Ronan, Laura Dern, Florence Pugh (laughs) vehicle. Little women. Oh my god, I can't wait. Oh boy. Stay frosted. Love Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. <laughs>